you're listening to Rock Bottom Radio, broadcasting from deep in the turf net zone. Here's your host, Randy Wilson. Hello and welcome to Rock Bottom Country Club, where today we're having our annual Christmas dinner for the crew. But before we head on into the formal dining room, well, really it's just some tables set up in the cart barn, I want to talk about the George Bailey effect and one Christmas that is still burned in my memory. Hey, Willie, did you know Mama hired some feller from Dryjack to Dryjack our green? Well, hallelujah. That's great. No more hand-shoveling sand onto the green. Yeah, two shovels of sand, one of peat. No more jumping on a pitchfork for 12 hours. And we won't be out there for a week, raking and blowing and watering and... And listening to Buddy cry about sand in his reels for a month. Hey, y'all. Mama, why the sudden jump from the 19th century to the 21st? Yeah, whatever happened to more sand, Willie, more sand. Well, two reasons. First, dry jet gets spectacular results. And in this era of intense competition for golfers, it just makes good sense. What's the other reason? Everybody here is over 75 years old. We're still fighting that lawsuit Bubba put on us. I don't think shoveling sand broke his putting stroke. I think it was beer did that. I just heard the big news. We're going to dry jack. We can finally hold our heads up amidst our colleagues. We ain't got no colleagues except for Burnt Run, and they go on with artificial greens next summer. What was that? Y'all see that? Dad gum old zero turn rough power blew up again. We need a new one. Mama won't buy one unless it's zero environmental impact, sustainable, and skeletal golf theory approved. What brought all that on? Oh, that scary talk about trade wars and tariffs and them communist Chinese bankers. Well, I know where we can get a sustainable, skeletal golf theory approved, zero impact, zero turn mower today. For probably less than $100. Where? At goat farm cross the road. Tie a goat to a stake in the rough and eventually lead a big circle and all that kudzu. Cost us zero and it'll mow zero. Let's get world famous Brian Nets to talk to Mama. He's got goat zero mowers out there in Bizarro land. I heard his whole crew is robots. Well, Brian is kind of a genius. Let's get him on the phone. We need to be careful with this. If Mama thinks we put Nets up to this, She'll kill the whole idea. Why? You know how some leaders are. If it ain't their idea, you have to wait until they think it is. Hey, look what I got. Really? My car won't run. Really? Guess I better get Buddy up here to look at it. What's wrong with it? It's got something stuck under it. What, a branch? Nah, a golfer. A golfer? How long's he been stuck under there? Not long, just since 14. Is he hurt? And to hear him tell it, he's a dying, but I expect he's fine. How'd he get stuck under your cart? I ran over him. Why? He was playing too slow. Ain't Femi, usually we just tell him to speed up. We don't try and kill him. I asked him real nice, and he made the unkind gesture and said, okay, boomer. What'd you say then? Nothing, I just ran over him. Call me a boomer. I was born 23, ain't no boomer. You know, the rest of his fortune fell up real good, though. Well, let's go out there and see if we can extract. Hang on, bud. I'll have you out of there in a gift. 
I ain't never playing golf here again. Whatever, Xer. Tell you what, if you get that to me in writing, I'll refund your green fee. Really? Now that you're through with him, I need a little help over behind ten green. Well, what happened over there? The old man Bikeler threw a flag stick at me. So you just want me to talk to him? No, I didn't help me see if he's dead. I picked up the flag stick and I jousted him. You you jousted him? Yeah, you know, I perforated him. You say he's still lying there? I suppose. That's them coyotes got to him already. You know, he ought not care all them swinkies in his bag. Uh, Ludell, this is Willie. Come in. Yes, Ludell, go ahead. Would you ride over behind Ten Green and see if old man Beitler's laying there dead? Uh, I don't need to. I just seen him running for the parking lot with a couple of coyotes trailing him. All right, thanks. Well, Aunt Femi, that answers that. Anything else? Yeah, Mrs. Mellon said she's going to complain about me, so I just thought I'd tell you before she gets here. What's she mad about? I've nothing. I just pulled the wig off, that's all. Were y'all fighting again? It's more like a scuffle. She pulled me off our greens again, so I held that old hussy down and yanked her wig off, and then big fake eyelashes, too, and threw the whole mess in the lake. You threw her wig and eyelashes in the lake? No, I threw Miss Mellon in the lake. Don't you listen? Rock Bottom Country Club. Yeah, right. Okay. I bet that was the law. Yep, that was Sheriff Mellonwell, and he said his mama called and wants you put in prison. You should probably run. I just tell him last time you saw me, I was headed for town. Well, where are you headed? I just lay low in Buddy's shop until tomorrow. They don't never find me all that mess. Well, what about the next day? It don't matter by then. Mellonwell got old timers. She won't remember any of it. I can probably saw her in the lake three more times for Saturday. Okay, it's time for Christmas dinner with the crew. How about we sing some carols first? All right. Let's do My Daddy Thinks I'm Crazy Because I Wear My Sister's Clothes. No, no, no. no. A Christmas song. Okay, we can do that. We've been practicing. Ready, everybody? I'll start. In the fairway we can build a snowman. Make him look just like a golf pro Timmy. When he starts complaining about our green speeds. We'll box his ears and kick him in the jimmy. Later on by the fire, as we burn with desire, to drink a keg of beer and murder us a deer, walking in the forest with a spear. Stop it. Stop it. I'll not have you ruin this holiday. Too late, Mama. Them corporations already did. Ow, dead gummin' mama, that hurt. Ludell, you know that's coming. Sometimes it just amazes me how much stupid your skull can hold. This is the last time I'm serving white lightning eggnog. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Christmas Dinner at the Club. I thought we were going to have turkey. This ain't turkey. No, it's goose, just like, you know, Christmas in that Dickens story. How Dickens, you say? Where does goose come from? Is this the one Chopper caught yesterday? What is this mess? Looks like crunchy blood. That's cranberry salad. I hate fake artificial cranberries. I ain't needing no synthetic cranberries. It's not fake. Those are real cranberries. Everybody knows real cranberries are cylindrical, about five inches long with a diameter three inches and they have circular ridges in them. And they grow on cranberry trees. No, they don't. They grow on a bog. A bog? You know what a bog is in the Great Britain? No, what does that mean? It means I ain't eating no bog bears. Y'all hush. I spent all day yesterday and last night fixing this meal, and you better be grateful. I bet they ain't eating fake cranberries over at Caesar Augusta. If y'all don't start eating in the next ten seconds, I'm throwing it all out. It's story time. Do you have a Christmas that really stands out in your memory? 
I think we all have one or two. My most memorable Christmas was not typical, as I spent it alone with no tree or presents and very little music, and no big feast after a round of golf with the family. You're probably wondering how I got myself into that fix. Well, it was 1977, and I had just spent two long years as an assistant superintendent building a course that would have been better for all involved if it had just been left in its original state as a swampy prison farm. Anyway, after endless days on the chainsaw and feeding the chipper and dealing with criminals who somehow managed to end up on our crew, especially that one mass murderer who enjoyed robbing the crew on every payday with his 44 Magnum. I got off track somehow. Anyway, I left golf and went back into sports TV, running camera on football, baseball, and basketball in the occasional concert. After a particularly grueling marathon of college basketball games, it's, it's kind of hard to describe what's involved in setting up a game for a TV broadcast. Shooting the game and then tearing down and racing to make it to the next campus. But the network gave us an unexpected vacation that Christmas. And it consisted of half of Christmas Eve and all of Christmas Day. I flew into Atlanta expecting to spend Christmas with friends, as the family was all down in some place called Jupiter, working a golf course for, um, I think his name was George Scrooge. But I discovered that all my friends had gone home for Christmas. Not having any time to alter my plans, I settled into a friend's apartment where I stayed occasionally when passing through Atlanta because I knew where Franklin hid the key. I decided to endure a solo Christmas without family, feasting, and golf. It wasn't totally devoid of the Christmas spirit. I had peanut butter and crackers and, and coffee. And Channel 17, the Superstation, Ted Turner's flagship that specialized in old black and white movies, which I loved. I was convinced I had seen every old black and white in existence, but that was incorrect. I had never seen It's a Wonderful Life, the Frank Capra masterpiece, because it had been buried in a vault gathering dust since about 1947. Sometime late on Christmas Eve, after a whole box of saltine crackers dipped in Peter Pan peanut butter and 12 cups of coffee, all while wallowing in a fairly severe pity party, I discovered George Bailey and Mr. Potter and that odd angel on Franklin's 13-inch Sony Trinitron. The film had a powerful effect on me, especially the part taken from Charles Dickens, about seeing life from a less self-centered point of view. You know, I've watched that film perhaps a hundred times since then, but because it happened so long ago, I had forgotten about George Bailey until a few weeks ago. George came back to mind while I was thinking about the positive and negative effects of life running a golf course. And we all know it's been a hot topic lately. And out of the blue, in one of those moments of white-hot synchronicity, somebody sent me a copy of Super News from 2004. That's the one that contained a column I had written about the George Bailey effect. And I read it again, and it was a pretty tough read for me. I really don't think we realize the effect we have on the other people in our lives. We should probably be more careful, especially when dealing with people, you know, from a position of authority, like a golf course superintendent. An unkind word delivered while under stress has the potential to ruin a person's day or year or even their life. What if you barked at a crew worker for something minor, simply because you weren't fully recovered from an encounter with a pretentious, arrogant member? and that worker took it personal and quit. Maybe the worker never found another job, 
or passed that anger down to their family or got out of golf and into some terrible job where the boss stole their stapler. Some people take the George Bailey effect the wrong way and slyly manipulate events in order to influence other people's lives. For instance, I remember a fellow who developed a method for helping his former assistants land superintendent positions by consulting with clubs and suggesting they remove the current superintendent and replace him with someone better, like, oh, maybe one of his assistants. While this may seem like he was helping folks, it was really about pumping up his own legend. And this was a negative George Bailey effect, or perhaps more aptly titled the Mr. Potter effect. And it's one that can leave a scar for generations. You know, I try to have a positive effect on people, offering encouragement and support. And maybe I'm not very good at it, but I try. And yes, maybe I punch those I see as Mr. Potter in our little golf world, but you know, I just can't help that. The point here is, we really need to think about how much influence we actually have over friends and family and, well, when work cranks back up after the holidays, consider what impact our behavior has on the lives of our crew. It's probably more important now than in the past, as we live in a time of division and anger and sudden irrational reactions to daily life. Just ask yourself this, will my effect on others be positive or negative? You might think folks would be better off without you, but you'd be wrong. Oh, and also, if you don't want to spend Christmas in a lonely room with just a screen for company, your odds are probably better if you work on a golf course, staying close to home, instead of traveling and adventuring and eating exotic food. Which reminds me, it took me several weeks to recover from 56 peanut butter cracker sandwiches. Hey, it's time for pie. It's not peanut butter, is it? No, there's pumpkin. Nah. Pecan. Nah. Possum. You've been listening to Rock Bottom Radio, broadcasting from deep in the turf net zone. Subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for future episodes. 